I got a note from a listener this week who said, I see myself as a leader, but no one is following me. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we're going to hear from a variety of people today who have a multitude of challenges in career, family, health, and life. What can you do to break unhealthy habits and start a new direction? Well, we're going to be looking at that. Got some great questions here. Dan, what is your health regimen? What vitamins do you use to give you energy and endurance? Here's one. My younger brother is living his dreams, and I feel pretty terrible because I'm not. Someone asked, I'm trying to pick a new career. Should I take an aptitude test? All right, we'll give you some resources there. Um, Dan, I listen to your podcast every week, and they always leave me feeling inspired. But my question is always, to do what? And then one says, I cannot imagine living a life where work isn't the highest priority and use of my time. Well, we got a bunch of them. We'll see how many we can get through here. We won't make it a long episode, but want to give you some tips on how to break these cycles that people are talking about. Our quotation for the day comes from H. Jackson Brown, who said, Opportunity dances with those who are ready on the dance floor. All right, going to use that as kind of a theme. Our resource today, we've got 14 questions we put together to clarify your direction. If you go to 48days.com slash start, you'll see that. Now, I'm going to reference this a couple of times because this is an important starting point for you if you're not happy with where your life is at this point. Sometimes just asking the right questions, just thinking through things. You know, things like, you know, what do you do right now as a job or career? What parts of it do you enjoy doing? What is it that others ask you to do? What are your hobbies, things you do to relieve stress and unwind? Those are the kind of questions we've put together. And we get so much feedback from people that say just answering the questions gave them a lot of clarity. So you need to use that as a starting point. Now, there's some other things you can do beyond that, but... Go there, 48days.com slash start, and just go through those questions. It'll help you get clarity about what you're doing, even if you're enjoying what you're doing right now. It'll probably give you some new insight into where you can go from here. So, again, that's our resource. Quotation, again, is opportunity dances with those who are ready on the dance floor. We're going to get you on the dance floor. So when opportunity shows up, you're ready to go. Now, I want to start with a a story, and a lot of you will recognize this because it's in 48 Days to the Work You Love, but it reminded me of this in going through some of the questions that came in this week. This is in Chapter 5. Pastor Jones sat in my office, slouched down in the big chair, struggling to relay the events of the last few days. After 19 years of faithful service as a pastor, he had been informed that his contract would not be renewed. No matter how gentle the delivery, the message screamed out at him. He had been fired. How could this happen to a man of God, a man who had committed his life to serving God in the most socially recognized path of service? The anger and sense of betrayal came exploding out as we began to explore his options for moving on. 
The portrayal of the preceding years, however, relayed a series of red flags that had been ignored. Pastor Jones was now grossly overweight, having drowned some of his frustrations in eating. He was on medication for depression and was being treated for a bleeding ulcer. Were not these queer signs of a life out of balance? Doesn't God use physical unrest as a method of telling us something's out of alignment? In questioning this gentle, godly man about his current life picture, I discovered his naive theological view. He simply thought that if he were committed to God, somehow everything would just work out. He said he was guilty of sanctified ignorance. I've been reminded of that poignant phrase hundreds of times since then in working with people with the same flawed belief. Sanctified ignorance. The belief that if we just love God and commit our lives to Him, everything will just work out. That's an immature theology. I mean, if you get up every morning with a clean slate, being open to whatever may happen that day, you'll live a life of mediocrity. That is not the path of accomplishment, excellence, and of maximizing our impact and witness. The path of least resistance, just going where it seems easiest to go, creates very crooked streams and very frustrated people. Well, we're going to talk more about how not to be caught in that trap. Certainly, you don't want to be there. Well, let's look at some of the questions here. Lynn says, what is your health regimen? What vitamins do you use to give you energy and endurance? Well, Lynn, to to start with, there's nothing that has contributed more to my success than my reverence and how I treat the first 90 minutes of every day. And I think what I do in that time sets the stage for the day that I will have. Now, I'm normally in bed by 9.30 and awake at 5.30. That's really my preference. So there you go. That's eight hours. I don't skimp on sleep. Um, I haven't used an alarm clock in years and years and years. I simply wake up when I'm fully rested, but that's usually what happens about that time frame. When I get out of bed, I sneak out of the room so as not to disturb Joanne and drop to the floor in another part of our house, do stretches for about five minutes. It's really important for me to start out. And then I spend the next 10 minutes walking through the house, looking out the windows for the first signs of the sunrise, early morning rabbits, deer, squirrels, birds that make their home on our property. And I express gratitude aloud for the life that I have. And it just, that works for me. It just helps me get started. Then I spend 20 minutes of quiet meditation, contemplative prayer. Then on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I head outside, walk the common road in our community. It's a 3.7 mile loop around our neighborhood while I listen to positive inspirational podcasts and audiobooks. And I go through a lot of content in my morning walks. Then normally I jump on my bike and do another two laps. I've got a, I got an e-bike that I absolutely love. So it's an electric assist bike. And I usually do the first lap with no power on it all. And then I reward myself, just have a lot of fun, give a little power boost and love to whiz around another time on my bike with a little electric boost there. Anyway, then on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I walk the mile up to our club where I do a full life fitness circuit, you know, on the machines. So I get lots of upper body work, legs and all that. Then I jump into a spin class at 7.15 or 45 minutes. My fitness coach leads that spin class. And then we typically chat for a few minutes afterward about my diet and mindset. So I have a coach 
a fitness coach that I work with for that part of my day. So there, then, then, then I come back home after whatever I've done that day that I described, take a shower, I'm ready to go. By then my mind, body, and spirit are prepared for whatever the day can bring. I mean, nothing is more important than those first 90 minutes. Now you ask specifically, Lynn, what vitamins do I use to give me energy and endurance? Yeah, I do. I'm very consistent about the things that I take. Incidentally, in that first part of the day, you know, I don't start the day with text, email, phone, Facebook, TV, news of any kind. I mean, that can come later, but that's not the way I want to start my day with that spirit of reverence and awe. But then what I do take, you know, when I'm brushing my teeth, shower and all that, yeah, I'm taking optimal multi. It's a multivitamin, probiotics, a product called KD. K2D3, it's a, actually vitamin D, and then ortho omega, it's the omega fish oil that I take. So those four, a multivitamin, probiotics, vitamin D, and fish oil, every day without exception. And those are the main things that I take. There's a couple other things that I take, um, product called uh, NMN, it um, deals with... Uh, well, it deals with aging, really, that there's new technology, new information coming out all the time. I uh, made some modifications based on reading Tony Robbins' new book, Life Force. Um, we've done, Joanna and I both done some things for our health because of um, some of the recommendations, the new knowledge that's coming out of that. So, yeah, we're very intentional about that part of our life, certainly a lot of other things we do, but that kind of answers your question there. All right, Robert says, my younger brother is living his dreams, and I feel pretty terrible because I am not. I don't even know how to begin. I just stumbled across your website because at 1.01 a.m., knowing full well I have to wake up at 7 a.m. to go to work tomorrow, I feel a sinking depression in the pit of my belly and in my heart. It gets heavier every day. Now I'm trying to make up for lost time at the age of 27 by trying to start a a new venture, something I've wanted to do for a while. However, with a massive student loan debt and with my meager salary, I honestly feel trapped. I'm not sure what to do. And I know other graduates probably feel my pain. Is there any hope for us? Is there any room left for entrepreneurs in my circumstances? Where do we start? Oh my goodness. You've asked so many things there, and there's so much that can be done to address your situation, Robert. 27 years old, massive student loan debt, trapped in a job, meager salary, going to work every day with a sinking depression in the pit of your belly and in your heart. Whoa, that is a cycle you need to, you need to break. Now, you, you mentioned you want to start a new venture. I don't know what that is. But let me just give you some uh, examples of things going on around me right here. I mean, I see things every day, and I'm sure you do too. Right now, we've got somebody in our house laying tile. So we're getting new flooring tile down. So the guy who's laying the tile, we agreed on $20,000 just for the labor. Now, I paid for the tile. That was uh, All he's doing is just laying it, $20,000. It, it will take him, we're now at the end of the third week and probably another two or three days. So it's going to be, well, let's just say it's going to be close to a month, which it really is. But it's $20,000. He's got one 16-year-old helper working with him. Now, I don't know what he's paying to help her, but you can figure that out. All right, now let, let me give you another example. Now, I kind of want to back up a little bit. 
got a guy who I put a note out that I wanted a yard beauty manager and I had about 12 responses to that. I interviewed four of those, chose a young guy who's my yard beauty manager. He comes by and just his task is to keep our yard looking gorgeous. I mean, just so it's a place that everybody admires when they go by. Walkers stop and take pictures. I see that happen a lot. But his task is to do that, to keep it looking gorgeous. I don't track him in terms of time. I don't give him limits. But uh, he's not spending a lot of time here. But I pay him $30 an hour to do that. All right. So now here's another thing. A week ago, on uh, Thursday morning, I got up and I saw that there had been some activity around some of the bushes right up next to our house, and I recognized it immediately as probably an armadillo. Where I live here in Florida, they're very common. I usually see them when I'm out walking in the morning, and it's one of those things you always hope that they don't end up coming to your yard because they burrow. They do a lot of damage to plants and shrubs, and they also can burrow down, which can do damage even to foundation of houses and all that. And sure enough, I went back behind the row of hedges right outside my office window here where I'm speaking, and there's a burrow. Oh, man, you know, I always hope they don't end up here. But I am familiar enough with their habits, and I know there are some things you can do to deter them, but what happens is you just send them over to your neighbor's yard, or if you want to eliminate them, there's some kind of uh, not-too-pleasant things that you can do, and I didn't really want to do that, so I contacted a wildlife services company. They came right out, set a trap, and sure enough, the next morning, boom, there's an armadillo. And I said, oh, good, we got that rascal. You know, take him somewhere where I don't see him again. Uh, it's done. They said, well, we probably ought to leave the trap here. And I said, really? There's likely to be more than more than one in the same burrow? They said, oh, yeah, there can be. Well, sure enough, the next morning, another one. And they came out and got him. And then I had a day where I thought, okay, they're gone. And then the next morning, yeah, there's another one. So now we've ruined three. Well, here's the deal on that. And here's why I'm telling you this. To set the trap which is just a really simple plywood box. There's nothing elaborate about it at all. It's just a homemade box that they have armadillo smell in there. There's not even any food or bait in there. It's just a little box. And the armadillo goes in there because it smells something familiar, trips it and locks it in there. So they, they charged $199.95 to set the box. And then every animal they catch is $99.95. So with what I just described, they set the trap. They now have hauled off three. So I've paid them $499.80. So let's just call it $500. Their cost to that was pretty minimal. I mean, a pickup truck and coming out here. But the guy told me lots of stories. He told me about there's a, a place, a really nice house, where they've now caught over 30 rabbits at this one customer's house because he's determined to keep them out of his flowers. 30 rabbits, that's $3,000. I mean, somebody else had bats in their attic. I mean, they get calls and calls and calls. Now, that's just a couple examples. But my point is, how much training does it take to lay tile, to be a yard beauty manager or a wildlife remover? How much money does it take to start any of those? I mean, a pickup truck and some muscles are nice, but beyond that, not much is required. If you got a venture, you know, what? I, I don't know what you're making now, but let's say you're making 20 bucks an hour, what you're doing, your meager salary, you say, you know, could you 
improve on that? Could you do something else? Yeah, there's probably not a whole lot of obstacles stopping you from that. And if you have a lot of student loan debt, instead of just being feeling trapped in a meager salary, your best option probably is to quit the meager salary and do something else where you could potentially double or triple your income. I mean, going to work with a sinking, depressing feeling in the pit of your stomach is not doing any favors for you or the company. You can't be your best when you feel like that. You can't do great work. You can't be performing well when you got a depressed, sinking feeling in your belly. I mean, and the company deserves your very best if they're paying you. Nobody wins in the situation you're describing. You've got to do something else. So is there any hope for us? Is there any room left for entrepreneurs in my circumstances? Where do we start? Oh my goodness. There's so many ideas, things you can do. Now, some of the other questions are going to lead into that, going to give you some more information on that as well. So stick around here. You know, we'll, um, Robert, we got some other information that'll help you. I hear somebody who is, who needs to stop a business that they started. He says, I remember from 48 Days to the Work You Love uh, that I purchased years ago. You spoke about a couple of businesses you had that failed. How did you handle the financial losses that were left in the wake of the bad business? I admit the business had the appeal of making money, but there's no appeal of the actual work I'm doing in the business. Worst thing about it is I've disappointed friends in the process of operating this business. I have to stop the damage. Thanks for your time. I know you're busy, Chris. Well, yeah, what was I was I trapped when I realized I had a whole lot of debt from a failed business that I had that I talk about? It was a fitness center. Well, I, I had two options. I mean, I, I had two options in that period of time. I could go get a job with a meager salary and have that sinking feeling in my belly every morning. No, I didn't do that. Or I could do something, start a venture on my own again, where there was no guarantee, no benefits, but you know what else? No ceiling, no ceiling. That's the path I always choose. If I'm feeling pressured, have obligations that I don't know how I'm going to meet, I don't take a job hoping that I can make things work. I do something that's totally unusual, totally entrepreneurial, where I don't have any ceiling. And what I'm going to do. Um, and that's certainly, yesterday, I talked to a gentleman at length who has a business, much like you describe, that is failing. Family and friends have put in $450,000. He put in $200,000 of his own. And now it's kind of at the end of the rope. Everybody's gone. It's just him. He has no resources no, he's out of money, doesn't have money to buy new materials to produce the product that he was producing. Things are pretty well over. Man, that's a tough situation. But in that, you know, that sunk cost effect that we can get into where, well, we just put already a lot of money into it. We have to just borrow more to put it in. No, unless it's a good business plan, unless there's a real clear path to turn the thing around, don't just keep doing it. Just hold your head high, walk out. If you need to take care of obligations, you know, do it by starting something new that has a potential to really be a profitable business venture. So yeah, it's tough, but um, what I did to handle that sinking feeling, to get back in the game doing something, again, where there's no guarantee, but 
no ceiling. Well, this question comes in from David. He says, I'm trying to pick a new career. I have a lot of interest of areas of interest, and I'm having some trouble narrowing them down. Several people have suggested that I take an aptitude test. Do you think they're worthwhile? Do you have any that you particularly recommend? Well, yeah, we do, David. I mean, we recommend the DISC profile, D-I-S-C. We have used that for thousands of people have been through that. We have lots and lots of companies, big companies that use that monthly for any kind of screening that they're doing for salespeople or new employees. But there's more than just that. I want to caution you against just taking an aptitude test. I mean, an aptitude test, personality inventory, uh, the Enneagram, a skills assessment, whatever, it'll give you a good but a very small piece of information. I mean, the DISC is going to give you a list of careers that are a match for your personality. But let's say that you're a high, well, let's say you're a high C, somebody who's really good with detail, analytical, and precise. And so it's going to suggest careers like accountant, architect, uh, airline pilot, a research scientist, engineer. You know, you could go on. So which of those are you going to choose? I mean, those are very, very different. They require a different kind of background and training. Some of those, you know, what are you going to choose? I mean, that's, that's not enough just to get an aptitude test, a personality inventory, behavioral assessment, whatever you get. That's not enough. What I recommend is that you get a great coach to help you look at the bigger picture. Now, when we go through the kind of questions that I suggested that you go through and you take those 14 questions that I'd like you to go through Questions like, list three things you believe you're weak in, areas where you don't excel in. What were your childhood goals and ambitions for life? Which ones have you been able to fulfill? What have been the happiest, most fulfilling moments in your life? Those are some of the questions that we've got there. If you go to 48days.com slash start, you'll see some of those. But I recommend that you that you do that, that you work through that. And then reach out, have somebody kind of guide you, not only with an aptitude test, but have somebody who can help see things that you don't see that are right around you. And that's what a good coach does. But go through those questions as a start. Do the disc. Yeah, certainly I recommend that. But don't see that as the only piece of information you need to help you select a new career. Jeremiah says, thanks for all you do. I'm another one of those don't know what my passion is, or rather, don't know if my passion can make money. Here's my question. My favorite subject is ritual and tradition. I've been toying with the idea of creating a website and online resources that seek to bring back ritual into our culture that has largely abandoned it. Particularly, I'd like to see rites of passage brought back. When young men and women don't have a cultural or community approval, approved rite of passage, or they have a right that is no longer meaningful or significant. They create their own destructive rites of passage. I don't know if this can make money, though. What do you think? I very much value your opinion. Well, Jeremiah, I love, love your idea. I think if you have the seeds of something there, what I'd like you to do is expand your list to 20 ideas, even other applications of what you're thinking here. You know, What could you do, not only in terms of just providing um, rite of passage, where you may have you know one person or two young kids going through that. What could you do that you could teach people about that? Where you may have a book or a course or a seminar or an event. You know, just start to expand on the ways that you could have that as your focus, but make money from that. 
I absolutely love that. I mean, I think you've got something there that you absolutely can build on and grow from there. Well, hey, we're going to move into some other questions here. Got a few more that I want to touch on, but great questions. I always enjoy going through these. Hope you do as well. And you know, what happens is when I have a question in here and I read it, I have, you know, 30 of you who are listening to say, oh my goodness, that's my situation. You know, I'm, I'm in that same place as that person. I mean, that's the way, that's the way it ought to work. I mean, we, none of these things are so unique that somebody else isn't experiencing the same feelings out there. So we can learn together by unpacking them, but then walk through what are you going to do? What are the action steps? What are you going to do to change a situation that you've got now? So shoot your questions in, your success stories, resources you want to share with others. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan. I had not only a lot of questions, but I had a lot of um, a lot of just personal feedback from people about things that they that they've done. Um, a lot of I don't share that a lot. A lot of times, it's really personal, and so I just protect that privacy. But uh, love hearing those stories. Love when you send those notes in about things that you've done to actually increase your level of success. I have taken action to change the course of where you were going 10 years ago, five years ago, or last year. This comes from Bill. It says, do you have any advice on how I can increase the number of referrals I get to my medical practice? I'm one of a number of physicians in the same specialty in our city. I've been here for about five and a half years, have had some bad experiences along the way. I know these have dented my reputation as people do like to talk. I've learned a lot from them, believe they have made me better, but I don't have any way of getting this message across to the referring doctors. I'm considering sending letters, advertising my services, as well as an interesting article to selected doctors. I'm from an ethnic minority in a predominantly white area, which does not help, but that can't be changed. Thanks for your help, Bill. Well, your, your best source of referrals are happy patients that you've helped. There's nothing like that. I mean, so nurture those warm leads, people who know you, people who've already experienced the benefits of your expertise and knowledge, whatever it is that you're doing, your specialty in, in medicine. Those will bring you new business much more than trying to find someone who's never heard of you. So, you know, forget Facebook ads, Instagram, you know, those aren't the kind of things that are going to help you. You need that personal touch, personal connection. So go to the events where those referring doctors will be present. And yes, become a resource for them. Send them helpful articles. You know, invite them to things you know may help them in what they're doing. Share about new advances in your specialty. You want to create what's called top-of-mind awareness, where then when an issue presents itself, you're the first person they think of. And yes, I think you can overcome your past, but you've got to be doing those things so that they have that Top of mind awareness. You can't just stay in the background, stay hidden, and then think they're going to refer to you. They're going to refer to the person who first comes to mind in that area of specialty. You want to be that person. So get out there, connect. You don't have to have thousands and thousands of people out there or a big email list. You just need to have you know, the, the eight physicians in your town who are going to refer to you. You need to nurture those relationships, and that can accelerate, explode what it is that you're doing. Susan says, uh, Dan, I listen to your podcast every week. They always leave me feeling inspired. But my question is always, to do what? My situation is that I'm a stay-at-home mom of four school-aged children. I have a five-hour block 
of time every day, which I would like to fill with meaningful and profitable work. I pause there because I'm trying to frame that. Okay, five-hour block of time. That's cool. I have a few obstacles that have caused me to chicken out even before applying for work. Namely, I live in Europe, don't speak the local language yet. I was homeschooled rather poorly and have no high school diploma or post-secondary education, and it's been 10 years since I last held a paying job. So the list, and she has the 48 lower no-cost business ideas, overwhelms me, and so I do nothing. When I was working, it was in customer service and sales. I was good at it. I like people, hospitality, cooking, problem solving, except this one. Hope you can help, Susan. Well, yeah, there, there certainly is something you can do. Now, I, I did pause there when you said I have a five-hour block of time every day because that indicates you're not really a candidate to have a regular job anyway, and that's fine. The 48 low or no-cost business ideas was developed in response to the question, is there anything a mom can do to create income while still being a primary caregiver for my children? That's exactly why I developed that. So I go through that, and the, the list that I have in there, you know, I've got things like being a caricature artist. Um, certainly got piano tuner, massage therapist, kettle corn, you know, house cleaning, um, language translation, you know, this goes on and on and on. Now, there, there's plenty of resources out there, and I would encourage you, and again, what you're looking for is not to go get a job. It doesn't sound like that's going to fit. You have four school-aged children. You have a five-hour block of time. So be committed that you can do something from home where you are, where the language is not an issue, and you can do something to make significant money. There's another resource that I recommend. It's it's titled 100 Hus- Side Hustles, Unexpected Ideas for Making Extra Money Without Quitting Your Day Job. No, this is talking about without quitting your day job. I'm saying without having one. It's by our friend Chris Gilaboo. And he's got ideas in there. Like here's a woman on food stamps who then earned $178,000 teaching people to bake bread. She had people commented on the bread she baked. She was literally on food stamps, on welfare. But she had people commenting on that. She started doing YouTube videos showing people how she makes her bread. And just a delightful story. And then went on and made $178,000 last year. Here's a guy who makes funeral urns. Now, there's been a massive swing away from traditional burials to cremation. And those people typically have an urn. So this is a growing, growing opportunity. He makes really decorative, really beautiful urns with, you know, painted scenery on them and all that. Well, he's doing, at the time of this writing, about $5,000 a month that he's making in real profit that he's doing from that. Um, here's a guy who, who is, okay, what he, what he did in traveling, he realized that mosquitoes were really attracted to him. He was just a mosquito magnet. So he started looking around and he found a little bracelet that repels mosquitoes. So he didn't even invent it. He didn't even make it. He just found it. But he, then he created his own brand and he's selling them. He put it up on Indiegogo, did one of those little things where you can you know, put money in. And he raised $12,000 there. 
before he ever even started selling them. But then how did it go? Well, apparently a lot of people are annoyed by mosquitoes because the business grossed $647,244 in the first year. With profit margins of around 50%, Matt made over $350,000. That's what you need to find. Be committed to find something that's unusual, something that you already know about and enjoy. You know, just start with the things that you already understand, that you have some kind of knowledge about. Nobody's going to ask you about your academic background or even your language if you're doing a business like the ones that I just described here. But get a couple of those resources, you know, tap into, go back and review our 48 lower no-cost business ideas or get the 100 side hustles by Chris Gillibu. I mean, those are the kind of things that you can get to just select then three or four ideas that really do appeal to you, but then decide, filter those ideas through what you know about yourself. So there's a match. There's not a mismatch. You feel like you're trying to do something that you're not excited about. No, there's too many opportunities to do something that you really enjoy. All right, Gray says, Greetings, Dan. I've been reading your books and love them. They open my eyes to opportunities all around me. I've been reading through the schedule for 48 Days to the Work You Love and have been following along in the book. I'm hitting a roadblock, though. I cannot imagine living a life where work isn't the highest priority and use of my time. My parents both worked long hours at jobs they either hated or were treated badly at, so I don't really have good work role models. Have you ever been there? Any advice would be wonderful, and welcome. Have a beautiful day, Gray. Well, do you want to just continue with the mindset your parents had? I mean, recognizing how self-defeating that was for them should be the very thing that directs you to a new mindset. I mean, my parents growing up, they thought hard work and being poor were signs of being godly people. I decided I didn't want to work that hard, and I wanted a whole lot more money, and I wanted to be a God seeker as well. It just required that decision. And you can do that too. I mean, what you're talking about, having poor role models is the beginning point for a whole lot of people in redirecting and choosing something else. That's certainly what you want to do, Gray. Just see that what they were doing, your parents' mindset about work, being long hours, work they hated, being treated badly. Yeah, you're not going to put up with that. And you've got plenty of options out there, as we all do, to choose things other than that couple more here. Hey, Dan, I'm having trouble keeping jobs. I need help. Do you have any psychologist that you would recommend? My insurance runs out at the end of this month, so I need to act fast. I was self-employed for years, but had to start working for companies to get a steady paycheck and insurance for my family. My friend that recommended you said I should try to speak with you in person. I don't know if you have time to do this, but if you do, please let me know. I really need help understanding what I'm doing wrong in the workplace to keep getting laid off or fired? Brian. Well, Brian, I mean, I appreciate your heart on this. I mean, you certainly do need to do something. Um, I talk to a lot of people, but uh, because talking to people individually about their challenges requires time. There's only so much time in the day, so many days in the week, so certainly I can't respond to everybody, unfortunately. But that's why we create other resources, and go to, go to 48days.com slash start, go through those questions. At the end, it'll give you the option, if you want to, to get more resources, you can do that, or to have us suggest a coach to work with. We're happy to do that. we got a lot of competent coaches that we refer to. 
And that's how I expand my ability to coach is by having other coaches that we've worked with. We know the work they do, and we'll be happy to direct you to those. Please take the initiative to get a coach. I mean, I, I always tell people, and a lot of you are thinking, well, sure, you know, I can't can't afford that. But see, that's 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 the mindset thing there, too. Don't see it as an expense. See it as an investment. I mean, if you buy a big screen TV, it's probably just an expense. But if you invest in coaching, you ought to see a return that comes back. It's an investment, just like you would invest in stocks or a new business or whatever. You expect to get not only your original money, but more back. That's the way you should view coaching. If I spend $1,000 on coaching, I expect to see a $10,000 increase in my income. And we have tons of testimonials from people. A gentleman, uh, Scott Beebe, some of you may know Scott, you know, a delightful young guy. He's a business coach now. He came to one of our conferences on coaching with excellence, paid $1,000 to come. And I tell people really openly, if you don't get a 10 times return in the next year on your investment here, let me know something's wrong. You know, I'll work with you to try to fix it until you do that. Well, we got a note from Scott at the end of the that year, having spent $1,000 to come to our conference. And he says, well, I hate to tell you, I didn't get a 10 times return. He said, I got a hundred times return. And he went on to tell us about what he had done. He took the information, implemented it, and went on to create a very successful personal coaching practice that he continues today. A few years ago, well, this is a few years ago, boy, and I think back, it's probably 20 years ago. There was a, I, I was starting to see the opportunity of people just doing seminars online. It was kind of a new thing, the teleseminars. And I thought, could I do this? Would people really pay just to pick up the phone, be in their own home, rather than being at a live event? I was used to doing live events. We we're doing a lot of those in the Nashville area. But I said, would they pay just to pick up the phone and listen in? These things called webinars, teleseminars, you know, would and so I invested in a program. Alex Mendozian had a program called Teleseminar Secrets. It was $1,800. Okay, that was a lot of money back then. And I thought, ooh, that's a lot of money. But I wanted to learn from the best. And so I invested the $1,800. And I learned some things that I would not have known otherwise. I mean, even like what to charge and how to promote it and all that. So we did that. Had that one teleseminar, my very first one that I did. And actually, the topic was right to the bank, W-R-I-T-E, so a play on words there, but how to take your writing and turn it into significant income. We charged $69 for that. We had about 280 people that signed up for that. And if you do the math on that, I had paid $1,800 for the training on how to do a teleseminar, and my very first one netted me over $18,000. I mean, that's what I, well, that's what I expect. If I go to a conference, I go in with that expectation. If I engage a coach, which I always do, I mean, I've got coaches in any area where I want improvement in my life, I expect that kind of increase in what I'm doing. Well, hey, one more story here, and we're going to wrap up. How to break out of the rut. Dan, I've been in one for 10 years, maybe longer, where I'm merely existing, going through the motions. I'm not happy about any area of my life. I've read so many self-help books, nonfiction material, but implementing things seems to be my problem. I've read 48 days, but can't figure out what I should be doing, and I'm very discouraged. I feel like I have nothing to look forward to in life. Just would love to get my life sorted out. I'm 41 and feel like I should have 
accomplish more at this point. I try to make positive habits, but give up and resort to hold ones to old ones quickly. People ask me, what's the point to all the reading I do as nothing changes, and I feel the same way. Would love at least one breakthrough in my life. Luckily, I've also neglected my health. Victor. Boy, there again, I don't know of a better suggestion. Get a coach. Get somebody to walk along with you. Give you a little accountability. Help you point out your blind spots and things you're doing that are self-defeating. That's what a coach does. I, I just... Don't have any better suggestion than that. If you've read a lot of books, that's certainly good. But we know that just accumulating knowledge is not enough. Accumulating knowledge just gives you a lot of knowledge. You have to move past that to understanding and application. And it sounds like that's been tough for you. That's fine. Don't need to be ashamed about that at all. But if you recognize that's true about yourself and it's a continuing pattern, break the cycle by getting a coach. Get somebody to walk along with you. All right. Well, we're going to, my goodness, we're going to wrap it up right there. Going to use as our outro today the old familiar strain here, stuck in a J-O-B that some listeners created for us a few years ago. Just a great overview, a great kind of a summary of what a lot of people are dealing with, stuck in a J-O-B. So if you're there, I hope I've given you some tips today, things that you can do. Again, go, go to our resource for today, 48days.com slash start. Answer those 14 questions. Just that alone, I'm sure, will give you some clarity for what you want to do the remainder of this year, rolling into the next year. Don't just be content with where you are and think this is as good as it gets. The old Jack Nicholson movie, As Good As It Gets. Nope. You can change. It can be better than you've ever experienced before if you take the initiative to break those cycles, break your patterns that you saw from your parents. You can make new decisions today to start in a new direction well thanks for listening thanks for sending in your questions thanks for being open to growing and for being that powerful force for making the world a better place we talk about a lot and share this episode with three of your friends who are also committed to personal growth i mean that's that's what we do i mean i I share resources i sent out a bunch of books again this week i had somebody send me a new book that really helped me and so i ordered 10 copies and identified 10 people that I knew would really benefit from that as well. Well, guess what? They thanked me for that. They, they're going to remember me as being a key in their own personal development. You can do the same thing. You can become known for positivity, even as you're working these things out for yourself. Believe me, you don't have to be perfect. You can just get in the game, but you can become known for positivity for someone who offers hope and encouragement to others. So if you give them a book, or recommend something that helps that person succeed, it's going to elevate your credibility, your value, and their eyes. Be that person. And stay committed to your belief that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. <laughs>